Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Before we kick off the show, if you're a fan of History Hack, please do what you can to support the show. We completely get that not everyone is able or willing to dig into their pockets. Times are hard, but by dropping a like, subscribing on Twitter and YouTube, and importantly, leaving a review wherever you get your podcasts, you can help the programme grow and reach more people. If you're interested in becoming a supporter, go to patreon.com forward slash history hack, where you'll find perks from secret Facebook groups to early release material. If you just want to leave us a one-off tip, go to co-fee.com forward slash history hack. The links are in the description. And whatever form your kind support takes, know that we are massively grateful. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another instalment of History Hack. This is going to be so fascinating today and I, I guess it has a lot of resonance for what you're seeing journalists do right now on the television in the Ukraine because we have with us Julian Mannion who was a journalist specialising in international stories and he covered the Falklands War for Thames Television and was a foreign correspondent for ITN. Julian, welcome. Thank you. Yes, hello. Um, should we just dive right in at the deep end if we can um how did you end up in the back of a ford falcon with a gun against your head well um we were sent um as the, the crisis in the south atlantic grew to to buenos aires to try to cover the war or the crisis as it then was um from the argentine side and uh, we arrived very shortly after they landed their troops on the islands a couple of days after that um, and uh, went about our business of trying to compile weekly reports for Thames Television's TVI programme, as it then was, um, about what was taking place. Um, and uh, you'll recall that um, uh, things really became deadly serious um, with the sinking of the Belgrano, uh, the, uh, the Argentine warship, um, and then the, the destruction by Exocet missile of the British warship HMS Sheffield. And a few days after that, on the 12th of May, um, uh, I, I and my, my crew, uh, which consisted of a cameraman, Ted Adcock, and a sound recordist, Trevor Hunter, who sadly has very recently died, um, uh, we were, went to the foreign ministry in an attempt uh, to get a, a brief interview with the foreign minister, uh, Nicanor Costa-Mendez, who was actually one of the principal uh, activists and supporters of the Argentine seizure of the Falklands. He was really 
a hardliner. And um, uh, Councilman has refused to speak to us. Uh, and uh, we therefore left the foreign ministry, uh, wondering what, how we, what we were going to send to London that week, um, and got in the car, which we were using, um, started driving away from the foreign ministry, whereupon another vehicle cut straight across us. Um, uh, I got out in an attempt to find out what was going on um, and uh, found myself immediately um, staring at an automatic pistol while uh, a couple of extremely tough men grabbed me and propelled me physically into the rear well of this Ford Falcon car, the Ford Falcon being the sort of signature vehicle of the Argentine secret police. And uh, I was then driven um, slowly and deliberately with a cloth over my head and a, and a pistol in my head, um, as it turned out, out of Buenos Aires. Uh, though I didn't know it immediately, the, the same, uh, more or less the same thing happened to Ted and Trevor. Uh, and eventually we all found ourselves in an in a open field um, outside Buenos Aires. May I ask, how old were you at the time? Uh, how old I was? Yeah, uh, that's a very good question. Well, I, I was born in uh, uh, 1950s, and uh, this took place in 1982. Um, uh, so I, I think I was 31. Oh, it's just like to be that young and be going through. Can I just we'll talk about what happened next? How hostile had they been up to that point with you? Because I mean, this must have been relatively terrifying. Um, I guess it's it's your job, and it, it's you took this job, and it, and it's what you did but how terrifying was it sort of going into Buenos Aires as the enemy well I mean at that moment obviously was absolutely terrifying and the most terrifying thing was the powerlessness that you feel because um, uh, it became immediately apparent that one was in the hands of people who knew what they were doing in the sense that they'd done this before um, as part of the 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 dirty war uh, in which uh, the Argentine military suppressed left-wing opposition in the country um, uh, and uh, the thing which really brought it home to me as we set off in this uh, vehicle, I mean, in my case, as I say, lying in the rear wheel, uh, the rear well of the car, um, the, was the fact that um, one of these characters produced from his pocket a couple of leather thongs, um, which were specifically designed in, the, in this pre-electronic age to link uh, the sort of toggle switch on the top of the uh, the, the passenger doors to the handle which opened the doors. In other words, the, the, to link the locking mechanism to the handle to make it impossible for anybody to, uh, uh, any victim, as it turned out, to kick their way out. Um, and uh, at that point, one, uh, one realized that these people had done it before. And that, uh, I, and as it turned out, we were in deep trouble. What kind of threat did they think you posed? Well, I, I think I don't think it's quite like that. I mean, yeah. Argentina was a different sort of society to anything that we have experienced in this country for a very long time, mm. um, in the sense that uh, the, the the security forces included these uh, semi-secret and in some cases secret branches of the secret police, uh, and there there were separate uh, separate um, branches, like for example, the naval secret police. And uh, in this case, as it turns out, um, uh, a a paramilitary group working for what was called the 601st Intelligence Battalion of the Army. Um, And these people, as I said, had gained extraordinary uh, power uh, during the period of the Dirty War 
um, uh, as it was called, uh, and had suppressed uh, the opposition by uh, the, the simple process of kidnapping people in quite large numbers, uh, torturing them, uh, extracting information from them, and then kidnapping and murdering uh, the next person in the list, if you see what I mean. Um, and the, the, the fate of many, if not most, of those who fell into their hands uh, was to be, as it was called, uh, disappeared. Uh, they became, the victims were called the desaparecidos, the disappeared. Uh, they, they, in many cases, in most cases, had physically disappeared by the process of uh, being dumped. Uh, some of them uh, in the South Atlantic, some of them uh, in uh, rivers in Argentina, some of them just left in fields. Um, uh, and the, these people into whose hands one had fallen had themselves killed, it transpired, large numbers of people in this dirty war. They did put you through um, a mock execution, didn't they? Uh, yes. Um, the, the, the What happened was that, uh, as I say, we found ourselves in this very large open field, um, together with a number of men uh, with guns, and um, they instructed us to take our clothes off, um, barring our underpants, which we were told to keep on, um, uh, and uh, then to turn around and walk away from them. And at this moment, one of these gentlemen produced uh, from the boot of one of their cars an automatic rifle. And it should be said that um, uh, I've recently discussed this with our cameraman, uh, Ted Hancock, uh, exchanging memories of this dreadful event, um, and uh, which helped me write the book, in fact. And um, it, it, basically, both of us, uh, and I think Trevor as well, thought that our number was up. Uh, we started walking, um, and uh, I don't know if you hear the gun that goes off that kills you, perhaps not, but uh, we were certainly expecting to be uh, to be shot. But in fact, uh, what happened was that instead of hearing anything like that, we heard the sound of tyres on soil. Uh, and uh, when we looked around, when we eventually dared to look around, um, we saw that uh, our captors had gone and we were on our own, uh, virtually naked, in a field in the middle of Buenos Aires, in the middle of Argentina, uh, a country at war with Britain. It just to even ask you how you felt at that point, it just it, it's redundant, isn't it? That's got to be. I mean, it's well. It's I mean, torture in a way, moment, isn't it? One felt elated at having at having survived. Yeah. Um, after the elation, uh, there was a certain concern as to what one did now, mm. uh, where one was, because of course we had the slightest idea where we were. Uh, we turned. It turned out that we were outside a town called Pilar, which was a place where uh, uh, quite a number of the victims of the dirty war had been dumped, uh, just dumped in the fields, you know. Um, uh, but we didn't know any of that. Uh, what we did was we started walking um, and we eventually run, ran into a farmer uh, with a tractor and a trailer uh, who looked at us. Uh, he, he spoke a bit of English. And he, he started laughing and he said, today, he said, is my birthday. Um, and uh, I wasn't expecting to get three naked Englishmen for my birthday, uh, which I thought was quite quite witty on his part. And um, he then uh, took us to the police station, where um, I found myself attempting to persuade the chief of police that we were not, in fact, as he believed, British commandos on a secret mission, somehow separated from our clothing, um, but journalists. I mean, the only possible motivation for their actions, really, is is to scare you, isn't it? 
it's it's a warning. It, it's it's very it's very unclear what the precise motivation was, though uh, a, a lot a quite a lot of light about this is shed in American documents that have now been released and which were uh, basic research material for my book. Um, the uh, if it were, if the idea was to scare us, they certainly succeeded in that. But I should say that uh, one of the documents that was uh, released, which was a CIA report, Central Intelligence Agency, um, from uh, their staff in Buenos Aires to the headquarters in Langley, Virginia, a couple of weeks before this kidnapping, in which, uh, but while as where the, the first the political confrontation and then the war with, uh, with Britain began, um, and this document describes how their sources which were evidently very good, inside the 601st Intelligence Battalion, had reported that this unit was preparing um, to murder, um, or uh, to use the term disappear, uh, which uh, the, the document helpfully explains means uh, meant murder, um, some 500 British residents of Argentina in the event that the war turned really nasty, um, which, of course, was taking place at that time. And it also said that a number of they might well murder a number of Americans. Now we also know that, <coughs> pardon me, the British cabinet was aware of this warning, uh, and afterwards said that the way we had been treated illustrated the risks that the British community in Argentina now faced. Um, the, 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 a further uh, American document uh, suggests that, in fact, uh, our kidnapping was may have been, I stress may have been, designed to sabotage um, uh, any moves towards peace, which were currently going on, because there were signs at that stage that Galtieri was beginning to wobble. You know, he was under massive pressure. The, the British fleet had assembled and was ready to uh, unload uh, our troops uh, onto the islands to take them back. Um, the ina inadequacies of uh, the Argentine military had already been revealed to some extent. And um, there the, the, the were signs that he was wobbling. But, uh, and the, the, the suggestion is that this kidnapping was uh, designed to throw a spanner in those works. What happened to you afterwards? Let's talk about... You had an interview with President Galtieri, that's Argentina's dictator. What was the mood like in that interview, considering that his henchmen have just pretended to kill you? Well, uh, yes. Uh, I mean, this came about that evening, very late that night, in fact, um, after the interior minister with whom we managed to get in, uh, our colleague in Buenos Aires had managed to get in touch to report uh, our kidnapping. Um, after we managed to reach him from the police station, um, and uh, he sent a limousine, in fact, to pick us up and bring us back to Buenos Aires. And we were then told uh, that President Galtieri himself wished to receive us that night. Now, Galtieri um, uh, operated very late at night, and I think it must have been at least 11 p.m. by the time we got there, to the Casa Rosada. This is the so-called Pink Palace, which was the seat of Argentine government. And um, we, uh, uh, he received us in a, a sort of galleried hall on the upper floor. And um, uh, with the help of, uh, we had lost all our television equipment, it should be said, along with our clothing. Of course, we did have a change of clothes with us, um, but we lost all our television equipment in the kidnapping. Um, uh, but with the help of Argentine television, who were there, we were able to f uh, film, <coughs> pardon me, 
uh, an interview with General Galtieri, which, of course, the first question was, uh, General, um, who kidnapped us? Who was responsible for this? Mm. And um, to which his answer was uh, that it was uh, un grupo muy reducido, a very small group, he said, that is determined to prevent peace. So actually, it may, be, it may well be that he was um, telling the truth, you know. I just, I can't imagine. I'm so at the point where they t- say to you, oh, you, you've been summoned by the Argentine dictator. I mean, as a journalist, brilliant. As a person right then, having just been through that, you, you can't have been feeling that at that point. Well, I mean, look, you know, like, like quite a number of others, uh, I was in this business. Uh, because I wanted to be. I don't have any complaints. Uh, yeah. and, and the chance to meet Galtieri uh, in, in the, the centre of this crisis with Britain um, was an extraordinary opportunity. And happily, we, I mean, Galtieri himself saw it just as a sort of handshake and appear on Argentine television, shaking our hands and then get on to the next thing. But happily, we were able to get a, an interview with him about 20 minutes on film. Uh, and that ran um, the following night uh, on Tense Television and indeed throughout the network in Britain. In a sudden flash, it all comes clear. It's a eureka moment, an epiphany. Hi, I'm Marcus Smith, host of the Constant Wonder podcast. The world offers marvel, meaning, and mystery around every single corner. In nature, art, science, culture, history, we talk everything from bees and beetles to obelisks and asteroids. Experience the thrill of transformative encounter. We'll bring more wonder to your day. Listen to Constant Wonder wherever you get your podcasts. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, let's talk about the real reason why you were kidnapped, because it's actually some part of something far more complex, wasn't it? Well, I, I think I've described that, which is that we obviously don't have um, uh, a, a precise and exact reason for it, yeah. uh, because um, in, in, in particular, we're, though we now know the name of the person who was leading the team that kidnapped us, because his name is in the American documents, which I've described. And indeed, I spent quite a lot of time researching this gentleman uh, and um, finding out about his, I'm afraid, very bloodstained personal record. Um, he, he died in 1987, and therefore he's not available to be asked. And there are still a couple of people alive um, who may well have been among our kidnappers. 
but they are serving long uh, prison terms uh, and uh, are not talking to, even if they were given the opportunity, to people like me. So we're, we, uh, we're left with the speculation of the Americans, of uh, the, the CIA, that this may have been connected um, uh, with a, an attempt basically to, to sabotage uh, any uh, peace negotiations. And indeed, um, there, there was, um, uh, after the war, um, uh, an Argentine general was put in charge of uh, conducting an inquiry into the war. And <clears throat> I mean, uh, amongst the many things he deals with is our kidnapping, which he said happened at a very unfortunate moment and was extremely counterproductive in negotiations. So, you know, there may be some truth in what the Americans, uh, American documents said. Just how much unrest was there in the country prior to the Falklands War to lead to this kind of response? Was this friction with the left-wing opposition? Was it real, or is it just uh, like a cover to remove any kind of dissent? No, no, it was, it was very, extremely real. I mean, there were uh, the, the military coup took place in 1976. Prior to that, there were already um, a vigorous uh, left-wing revolutionary groups. Um, attempting to topple um, the, the, the Peronist regime, which existed before, um, uh, and to create uh, general chaos, which they were very successful in doing. Um, and the military um, came to power uh, on the back of this, uh, saying that they, they would restore order. And basically, they made it clear that uh, the way to restore order was uh, to, to arrest and more than likely kill large numbers of the regime's opponents. But nobody should imagine that the opposition and indeed the revolutionary groups did not exist. I mean, the, the principal ones um, were the, the uh, army, um, revolutionary army of the people, ERP, uh, and the Montoneros, another um, uh, revolutionary group. And these uh, uh, groups were well-armed, uh, well-organized, um, they had substantial funding, in part at least from um, major acts of kidnapping, of kidnapping uh, some of the wealthiest businessmen in Argentina and holding them to ransom for millions of dollars. Um, uh, and it, it was a dirty war, without a shadow of a doubt. Did the Falklands War change any of that and unify the country behind a cause? Or well, uh, you see, the, the, it should be said that the, the, the junta, um, the, the, the military government mm. was uh, successful in crushing these revolutionary groups. Um, it took a number of years, but but the, the methods that they used against them were in the end uh, fairly successful. Um, but but the fact that they managed to uh, crush um, the, the small extremist groups did not uh, put an end to political opposition inside the country. Indeed. The junta tried um, to take their foot off the gas, if I can put it that way, to uh, and to bring to, uh, to to make their regime slightly more liberal, um, because what they're, what they're, one of the things they were extremely worried about uh, uh, were the crimes which they had committed uh, in suppressing the revolutionary groups, and um, they they were increasingly worried that if there was a change of government. Um, they themselves, uh, the leaders of the military regime, uh, might find themselves in the dock. And therefore, they, they tried to, uh, to liberalize the situation slightly. Um, uh, they were, again, under pressure from the Americans to do so. 
Um, but the effect of that was actually to, uh, to light the fires, if you like, of opposition, because people were in the end finally able to demonstrate. They were finally able to publish to some degree their opinions. Um, and this caused further, together with, it should be said, economic effectively economic collapse, which the junta was completely unqualified to deal with, caused um, <coughs> a really great instability, which in turn was a contributory factor in the um, important uh, contributory factor in the junta's decision to seize the Falkland Islands, because this, they believed, would be a unifying move. It would boost their popularity. It would give them a national cause, which they were uh, advancing. Uh, and indeed, uh, the, the, for a short time, it did precisely that. Um, you had a, a strange situation that a couple of days um, before four Argentine troops landed on the Falklands, uh, you had a massive demonstration in front of the Casa Rosada of opponents of the regime, uh, trades unions and others, um, who filled this very large square with tens of thousands uh, of demonstrators. Uh, and then uh, 10 days later, um, you had an even more mass demonstration in exactly the same location um, in favour of the, what the, the junta had done in seizing the Falklands. So for a, a brief time, uh, they were able to improve their situation. One of the things you talk about in the book is the Argentinians getting hold of US military equipment. So how did that happen? And what kind of impact did that have for the Argentinian war effort? Well, uh, the, the, the Americans um, under Jimmy Carter set out and um, uh, with also a, a congressional amendment called the Humphrey Kennedy Amendment, um, uh, put an effective uh, arms embargo on Argentina. We're talking here in the late 70s. Um, while uh, the, the, there was evidence that their um, uh, the terrible practices of torture and murder were continuing. Abuses of human rights, as they were called. Um, this certainly had an effect on weakening uh, the, the Argentine military. Um, uh, uh, the Air Force, for example, was left with uh, the, the defective, as uh, or what they believed to be defective, certainly doubtful ejector seats for their pilots. Um, uh, uh, iron bombs, uh, which, the, the, which their Skyhawks were dropping during the war. Um, <coughs> pardon me, um, uh, which were not correctly fused, so quite a number of them didn't go off. Um, that, that could perhaps be attributed in part to this embargo. But what, the, what they did manage to get through uh, the restrictions and which, what was absolutely fundamental to the Argentine war effort and what, uh, without which the Argentine war effort probably could not have taken place at all, um, was they managed to buy two uh, KC-130 refueling, air-to-air refueling tankers. And it's got to be remembered that the Falklands are 500 miles from the nearest Argentine airbase. And the, the, the 500 miles return is really the maximum range of um, many of the Argentine jets, which they then possessed, like, for example, the Mirage the Israeli um, uh, modified Mirage, the dagger, so-called, could literally, uh, of which they had quite a few, uh, could literally make it to the Falklands, but it could only uh, to have a chance of getting back 
they can only spend five or ten minutes there. And that, of course, is, is no good. So um, the, the, what was uh, absolutely essential uh, were these uh, fu- uh, air-to-air refueling tankers, which, it should be said, only, could only refuel some of the Argentine aircraft. They, they couldn't refuel. Uh, the Dagger, for example, was not capable of air-to-air refueling, and therefore played a very limited part in the war. But what they could refuel were the almost obsolete Skyhawks. Uh, Argentina had a number of these jets, which had last seen service in the Vietnam War um, uh, and uh, proved to be really the backbone of um, the Argentine war effort. Uh, And they could be refueled air to air and therefore were able to play a very important role. And at the same time, um, they were able to refuel, pardon me, (coughs) the French-built super étendard fighter bombers, which carried the Exocet missiles. And the significance of that is not only um, that it, it, it gave the uh, Superintendent extra range, the range they needed, but also uh, when cl- handled cleverly, which the Argentines did, uh, and uh, the, uh, in, uh, when the missions of these Superintendent involved at least two rendezvous with the, the tankers, it enabled them to fly uh, out to sea on an unpredictable trajectory um, and come in to their, uh, uh, on their attacks on the British fleet um, from unpredictable directions. Uh, and that was entirely a function of range. Um, and indeed, was another factor which uh, made uh, the air attacks uh, effective, um, as in the case of the Sheffield um, and the Atlantic conveyor. And it's, it's merely, um, it's thankful, of course, that the Argentines didn't have more than a handful of air-to-air uh, um, uh, Exocet missiles, because if they had had, uh, the, the British fleet's position would have been more difficult than it was. You've mentioned um, sitting with the sources and finding the name of the person that did this to you, um, that kidnapped you. Can we talk about these sources? Because you began to, so you, I, I want to know about working with them. So they, they came uh, when the US declassified, as you've said, some of the CIA's papers relating to the period. What's it feel like sitting there and, and dispassionately reading this stuff years later that relates to your own terrifying experience? Well, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wish there was more of it. But obviously, yeah, I mean, you'd be like, like understandably, the, be like, I'm going to get my answers. The, the CIA had more, more significant things to report on. But yeah. In fact, there are five American documents that deal with our kidnapping. Um, and uh, I, I found them all extremely interesting. So you got his name. What else did you get from them? Um well, the, the, the fact that, the, that he was working himself for the 601st Intelligence Battalion, that's yep. in, uh, in the documents, um, the, the fact that we had apparently been under surveillance for several days before this happened, that's mentioned. Um, the fact that, um, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, uh, the, there was speculation. That, I mean, one uh, possible explanation for the kidnapping was this business about the desire to sabotage the peace talks of this small group. Um, that, of course, was very interesting. Um, uh, and uh, the, the, the really a host of uh, a number of uh, other, other details. Did you stay in Argentina? A couple of days after this happened, um, Thames Television took the decision that we should be pulled back to London. 
mm. uh, quite understandable because yeah. the, it, it was not clear whether we were specific targets or indeed what might happen to um, uh, to, to journalists in any case. But uh, the decision was taken that we should leave and we left. Give us a sense of the longer term impact of this internal war with Argentina on the country today. So the Falklands War itself remains a really sore point for some Argentinians, doesn't it? But what about Galtieri's rule? Well, well I mean, Galtieri fell from power almost immediately after the end of the war. He couldn't, yeah. con- he couldn't continue. I mean, <clears throat> his policy, he'd lost the war. His policy had been totally discredited. So he had to be replaced. Initially, he was replaced... Well, in the first instance, he was replaced by the interior minister who had been helpful to us, but that only lasted a week or so. For some reason, he was deemed unsatisfactory. And another general then uh, took power. Um, they, they, they managed to hang on for about a year uh, before uh, the, the, the pressure to return to democracy became irresistible. Uh, and since then, there have been a, a, a whole... Um, uh, uh, a whole uh, number, uh, succession of um, uh, democratic governments, one must call them, um, uh, elected by the people of Argentina of a, vari- a variety of political colours, but in general, all of the sort of the liberal, uh, slightly left variety. Um, the uh, And certainly not another military regime. The uh, but the present situation is interesting in that uh, the the, um, uh, the Falklands, or as they call them, Las Malvinas. That's, no, yeah. no Argentine will talk about the Falklands. They're the Malvinas Islands um, are a sacred cause now, as far as Argentines are concerned. Um, and uh, you know, school children learn about them. Um, there are uh, 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 monuments. There are. Um, street signs advertising them, um, uh, and um, the, the the current president, President Fernandez, uh, has made though he was not believed to be a militant in this direction, has made a succession of um, more and more engaged statements about the need to get the Falklands back, or the I'm sorry, the Malvinas back, as they regard it, um, and. Um, uh, he, he made the the most recent of those only a few days ago, which he said we're not now trying to do this by force. Um, I mean, it should be said that the Argentine military is greatly weakened compared to what it was, relatively speaking, in 1982. Um, but we will do it uh, by all diplomatic means possible. And, uh, for example, uh, something of, of significance is that the Chinese government has expressed their support or is support for uh, Argentina's Argentina's position uh, on the Falklands, uh, which is something which uh, may or may not have significance in the future. Just before we go, this has been an absolutely fascinating interview, and we'll tell everybody how they can find out more. But as a journalist, did it affect the way that you looked at um, your job after that? What else did you go on to cover? Well, I mean, uh, one can't say that it enormously affected uh, the way I uh, handle things when you know if you're kidnapped uh, you don't have a great deal of choice as a matter of fact but I can put it that way I mean one perhaps maybe behaves tries to behave initially a little bit more cautiously but um, that, that doesn't really that doesn't really fly I mean you either cover these things or you don't um, I went on to do a host of things um, uh, in particular um, 
for example, um, uh, for Thames, I reported uh, what is quite a famous television program, Death on the Rock, um, about the shooting of these IRA um, gunmen in Gibraltar. Um, and subsequent to that, I joined ITN as a foreign correspondent and spent five years in Moscow as a Moscow correspondent, in which I covered uh, the, what could be regarded as the prototype of the war now taking place in Ukraine, which was the war in Chechnya. I spent a lot of time in Chechnya witnessing the absolute destruction of the capital, uh, Chechen capital, Grozny. Uh, and I then spent 10 years in the Middle East uh, as a Middle East correspondent, uh, covering all kinds of matters uh, there, including, of course, the Palestinian dispute, the invasion of Iraq, um, uh, going to Iran, all, all kinds of things. It's an absolutely fascinating career. Julian, thank you so much for joining us today. The book, Kidnapped by the Junta, is available now. You can buy it on the History Hack bookshop. Uh, please do. Uh, because it saves money from going uh, to massive companies like Amazon. It supports local bookstores, it supports Julian, and it supports History Hack as well. Julian, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you very much yourself. When our guests join us to talk about their work in their new book, the 45 minutes or so they spend with us is just a taster of all their efforts. So to this end, we have launched our very own bookshop on bookshop.org where you can find our guests' latest and greatest books. You can support them, and you can support History Hack too. 10% of every sale via our bookshop supports the podcast and allows us to keep at it and bring you more amazing guests. You can find our bookshop at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash history hack, or just search on bookshop.org for us under the shops bit. Thank you for your continued support, and here's to your next great book. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.